0: Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you. I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. Well, this morning we are starting our brand new series called "It's Complicated." It's complicated, um, and if, you, if you've lived for five minutes, you know that relationships have a tendency to get complicated. It's, it's very complex. It's not a straightforward thing. It's not a black and white thing. Relationships are very complex, and we're gonna in this series we're gonna be talking about. All things relationships, no matter if you're single, if you're dating, if you're engaged, or if you're married, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and lean in to each one of these weeks because there's going to be principles that you can, can, that you can apply to your life in every area of your relationships. But relationships on, on any level, they have one thing in common, that they're complicated, that they can be really tough to navigate, um, and relationships can be especially complicated when we try to play by our own rules. And so our series verse um, comes out of Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 9. And in the New Living Translation, it says it like this. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, God's way of doing things is always better than our way of doing things. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The way that God thinks and the way that God does things is so much better than the way that we have the potential to think or the way that we have the potential to do things. And we get into real trouble when we start thinking that we have the best way, when we start thinking that our way is the best and, and forget what that archaic book says, I'm just going to, this is a new time, I'm going to do things my way. He, they, didn't, they didn't have online dating, they don't know what it's about, I'm going to do things my way. And we get in some real dangerous territory. So, the thesis of this series, there's going to be a thesis statement here, and, it, and it, would be, it would be this. In order for relationships to work, we have to let the one who desi- designed them define them. So, in order for our relationships to work, we've got to let the one who designed them define them. So, um, today we're going to be talking a little bit, okay, about the topic of sexuality, and I know that this morning it might get a little tense, okay? Like there's, you're going to be sitting in your seat and there's going to be times that you want to laugh, but you're not sure if you're allowed to laugh or if it's appropriate. And you are just, <laughs> but you keep it down. It's okay. Just relax. Um, I, it's going to be fine. There's going to be some nervous laughter. But let me say this. When it comes to, the, when it comes to sex, the world certainly is not afraid to talk about it. Right, like you can see it everywhere. Um, it doesn't matter. You flip on the TV for just just a little bit, and you're gonna see things that honestly they wouldn't pass 40 years ago. But that's another story. But you're gonna see things that are that are pushing this on to you. And and you know it's even to the point that you have um, you have teenagers and and younger girls on TikTok dancing to these songs that have these lyrics that they don't know anything about yet, but they're dancing to these songs because. It's catchy, and it's cool, and it's fun, but what's happening is there's seeds that are getting planted in their hearts. See, the world's not afraid to talk about it, and I think that the church has been silent for too long when we talk about it, because here's the deal. If, they, if, if we don't learn about it in church, we're going to go somewhere else. People are going to learn about it somewhere else. It's probably going to be the bus. Honestly, if you haven't had that talk with your kid by about seven years old anymore, maybe younger, they already know. <laughs> they've, if they've ridden the bus, I promise you, they know. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that this morning. And, uh, you know, tr- the church treats this like it's, like it's a cuss word, you know? Like, like I believe that the church is just is too silent on it. And most churches that I've been in, um, they won't even, like, say that three-letter word, right? You're like, what three-letter word? Sex. They won't even say it. They won't even say the word because it's kind of like they feel like it's unholy. In fact, um, it's, uh, <laughs> in America, uh, you go to most churches and you'll hear that sex is dirty, it's ugly, and it's bad. So save it one for the one that you love the most. <laughs> yeah, you can laugh. It's okay. That's one of their <laughs> places. It's usually, it's talked about in just a whole bunch of thou shalt nots. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. And really, there's a lot of passages in the Bible that are thou shalt do. <laughs> a, yep, got one. All right. Sorry. Terrible joke. It's okay. Relax. But yes, uh, this morning I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you in, in a, a place in the Bible where God had... Um, had his he had created this place and there was this perfect relational sexual environment and how in the third chapter of the Bible just the third chapter it got complicated really really fast so in the beginning God created man and woman and they were named Adam and Eve okay you've probably heard that and he placed them in the garden of Eden well the word Eden actually means pleasure and delight It was a delightful place. It was a pleasurable place. And there was no shame. And so Adam and Eve walked around in their birthday suit. They're just walking around that way. God created it, and there was no shame about it. And it was a place where the human body, and honestly, every single part of the, the perfect human relational experience, could be enjoyed. And it was being enjoyed. Until you enter the lies of the devil. And so this morning, if you looking at your message notes, we're going to call this morning, liar, liar, pants on fire. Yes, I just had to throw it in, okay? I'm a kid. Whatever. Hang yourself from a telephone wire. Do y'all say that? Do y'all end it that way here? I don't know. That may be a Florida thing. I don't know. But in these seven verses that we're going to talk about today, we're going to find five lies, five lies that... that people have that Adam and Eve buy into, and it puts them in a very tough predicament, okay? Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 says this, now the serpent, this is the devil, this is Satan, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, did God really say, see there's the first lie, that's the first one, did God really say, He's trying to get Eve to doubt the words that God was speaking, he's, He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, said the serpent to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and that you'll be like God, knowing good and evil when the woman When the woman saw that the tree um, the fruit of the tree see she bought into this lion when she saw that the fruit of this tree was was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked see now they 're because of their sin, shame has come on them. They, it's not that they weren't naked before. It's now that they have the shame in realizing that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Side note here, nothing to do with today's message. I'm about to blow your mind that um, the fruit that Eve ate and Adam ate never says anywhere that it was an apple. Okay, I'm just gonna, we're just going to chew on that for a little bit wasn't an apple it just says fruit okay so anyway we when we look at these verses see there are a lot of people that are going when when Adam and Eve realized they were they were shameful about their condition and there's a lot of people that are going into that are going to make it into heaven they're going to be going to heaven but but they're living lives of shame and they're trying to hide they're living lives of shame. And, and the next few verses in this story are actually really beautiful. Because Adam and Eve actually, they run from the presence of God because of their sin and their shame. They run from God's presence. And God goes chasing after them. And calling out for them. See, we, we think that God's waiting. Like he didn't even stand back and wait for them to come to him. He's chasing after them. So I'm going to prepare you today. There's going to be parts of the message today that if you're sitting in here and you've lived very long at all, um, there's going to be parts where you're going to feel shame and you're going to want to hide. But what I want you to do is I want you to tune in and try to listen for God's voice that's chasing after you, that's calling out to you because God doesn't want you to isolate yourself He wants you to come to him with your shame. Come to him with your, your, you know, your fallen condition, whatever the brokenness may may be. He wants you to come to him. So uh, there's not a whole lot that's funny today. So I figured I'll start it off with a joke this morning. Is that all right? Start it off with a joke. So there's this story about a pastor that he does something we don't do here. Um, On Sundays, he goes and uh, he knocks on the doors of the people that are new that visited that morning. And so he would go door to door. And uh, we don't do that here, just letting you know. All we do is I'll shoot you a text. It's um, our hassle-free guarantee. I'll shoot you a text. I might put you something in the mail. But we stop there, and you can look at the text. You can ignore it if you want to. You can look at the piece of mail, and you could throw it in the trash if you want to. Nobody will know anything different. But this pastor, he went door to door. Um, and he, uh, he would go by, and when he knocked on the door and somebody didn't answer, uh, he thought this was cute. He had a little business card. He thought this was cute. He'd leave behind his business card wedged in the door, and on the back, he would write this verse on it. He thought it was cute. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. And so the he, he left it in the door jam of this lady's house, and um, they go back to church the next Sunday, and in the offering plate, as it's getting passed around, is this same card that he left with the verse written on the back, um, except there was a, another verse written on the back that the lady had, had put in there. Um, and he got this business card, and he read it, and she left this, Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. She, she wrote, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. So in Genesis chapter 3, these seven verses, there's five lies that I want to expose today. In fact, um, these lies actually happen in progression. They happen in steps. That it's like one goes to two, two leads into three, three leads into four, four leads into five. And if, you, if we find ourselves in that Fifth lie, it's a very dangerous territory for us to, to set up camp in. Um, but don't worry, I'm going to tell you guys the way out today, okay? Um, so this morning I want us to look at those, those lies and those steps. The first one, the first lie that we see in Genesis chapter 3 is the lie that God's word isn't totally true. God's word isn't totally true. The step one is that the devil tries to get us to question God's word. So this is always where it starts. It's always where it starts. God's word isn't totally true or uh, it's not totally true today because it's not relatable to where we are in the world. It's not reliable for me to trust because it's been translated multiple times. There's all these things that are working against us to tell us God's word is not totally true. And this is the first bait that we take. This is what we buy into the lie that, that God's word isn't actually God's word. And usually, we feel this most when God's word has something in there that you don't agree with. And there's, there's, there's things in God's word, I'm going to be honest, there's things in God's word that they challenge me. They, uh, they make me very uncomfortable. They confront me is why. Why? Because it constantly calls me, the Bible when you read it, it constantly calls me to a place that I'm not today. Like it's always calling me upward. It's always calling me into a better place than I actually am. And here's, here's an example. The Bible says you should love everybody. I have a really hard time doing it. Because there's some people that I just, you know, you're supposed to lay hands on everybody. But some people you just want to lay hands real suddenly. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to catch these hands. Y'all know what I mean. Don't sit. Don't look righteous in your seat. Y'all know you want to slap somebody this past week. I ain't alone. But that's hard, right? You should love everybody. Well, that's what God's word says, but it's really hard to do, and it challenges me. And so here's the question. Should we move God's word to fit where I'm at, to fit my beliefs and my, uh, where I want to live, or should I move my life in order to fit God's word? That's the question that we have to answer. And God's word is supposed to be challenging and confronting. It is supposed to be that way. There's things in the Bible that are supposed to challenge you. But if you won't buy into the lie that you can move God's word to fit your life and, and you'll actually move your life up into God's word, your life is going to be better. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says it like this. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God from which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. See, God's word works. God's word will work, but it only works if you accept it and believe it. So, you just... It's never going to work. You're never going to know. Here's what I want to say to you today. You're, you're, questioning, your, you're questioning your faith, or you're questioning where you are in this Christian spirituality uh, a thing. You're never going to know unless you try it. You're never, you're never going to know unless you give it a shot. Um, and and uh, Tim Keller, he's a, uh, he's a Bible scholar. He said it like this. Um, he was a pastor for a time. He says, uh, if your God never disagrees with you, You might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. God is going to, you're going to come to a head with him. And it's going to to come to the place where either you move your life to fit into his word, or you attempt to move his word to fit your life, and only one of them is going to work. And that's the first lie that we buy into, is that God's word isn't totally true. Number two, the second lie, is that this choice won't hurt anything. This choice won't hurt anything. Um, this is step two, that the devil scoffs at the negative consequences of sin. He said, that's not really going to happen. You're not really going to die. Just, you know, you're not, it's not going to happen. He scoffs at the negative consequences of sin. He says, and it's still happening to us today. You can do that. It'll all be fine. It's just one time. Like, it's gonna, everybody's doing it. And this lie is in our marriages it's in our parenting, it's in our finances, and it's in all of our sexuality. It's fine. No, 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 no. You don't have to listen to that. You can still do this. Everybody's, everything's going to be fine. You're not hurting anybody. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says this, though, that there is a way that appears to be right. It appears to be right, but in the end it leads to Death. There's a way that appears to be right. It's going to look like this is the road you need to take. It's okay. Nobody's you're not hurting anybody. This is a victimless crime. You're just you're doing it. It's it's fine. But in the end it leads to death. And you know what? I stand up here today and I don't feel the pressure to have to convince you of any of this because life is going to do it itself. Life is tough. There's going to be ways that appear right to you and you follow them. In the end, they're going to leave you a mess. They're going to leave you broken down. And here's what I know. One day, you might walk walk away from here and and not come back. But there's going to be a day, you're going to come back. We'll leave the light on. All right? It may not, listen, it may not even be some of you, it may be another church, but but there's gonna be a day where you come to to, to grips with it and, and you're gonna ha- you're gonna have to come back to the truth. If you've wandered in your life, it's because you've bought into this lie. If you've ever found yourself wandering, it's because you've bought into this lie that it'll be fine. I can have as many partners as I want. Nobody's gonna get hurt, we're two consenting adults, right? It's fine. Everybody does it. Some people believe that God doesn't know anything about our sexuality. Like when it comes to that, God doesn't know anything about it. Listen, he created it. He knows everything about it. He made it where it was where you liked it, okay? He made it that way. He knows every deep breath. It's good. He knows everything about it. But the one who created it says that it works best in certain parameters. And he created the parameters. Here's a way to explain it to you. I love a good fire inside of a fireplace. Love it. I, I don't like to chop wood. But if someone else brings the wood in when it's 17 degrees outside, I'll just sit there and enjoy, you know, with the kicked back hot chocolate on the table. Just I feel Y'all feel the Lord in here this morning, or is it just me? You're just kicking back. I love a fire. I love it. And it but, but if I were to, to, right here, pile some wood, put some diesel on it or some lighter fluid and get this thing started, you guys would be running for the hills. Why? Because this stage was not meant for a fire to be built on. But if a fire is contained to a fireplace, it's beautiful. When you enjoy it as it's meant to be. And it's the same with our passion. If you let it out of that environment, out of the fireplace, it quickly destroys everything in minutes. It won't take long and it's destroying everything. There's been so many house fires recently that I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just seeing them and noticing them, but there's so many. But but what happens is that the fire gets out of control. It gets outside of the parameters that it was supposed to be in or, or whatever, when we let the fire outside of the fireplace, it will destroy everything because passion needs parameters. Passion needs parameters. You can enjoy your life and your relationship to the fullest as long as you do it within God's design, within the confines of God's chosen parameters, which is marriage. I'll go ahead and break the. <laughs> Break the seal for you. God's parameters is inside, the, uh, inside of the walls of marriage. Guys, marriage is biblical. Okay, There's a lot of people that still try to challenge it today. Well, I don't, need, I don't need a piece of paper. Guys, it's more than that. Marriage is when God calls one man, one woman to be united so that they can enjoy the pleasures of life together. This is the way that God... Designed for us to contain our passion inside of marriage. Marriage is the fireplace. So that's lie number two that, hey, this choice won't hurt anything. Your passion needs parameters. Lie number three. God's way is boring. Sin is fun. The, the, this next step in the progression, step number three, is that the devil accuses God of evil intent. The devil accuses God of evil intent. He just doesn't, he want, he doesn't want you to become like him. Like, you're not going to die. He just doesn't want you to become like, like him. He doesn't want you to know everything that, that he knows. And the lie is this, that God is bad. He just wants to limit your fun. We, we, live in a, we live in a world where people believe that God just wants to put the limits on you, that God's way is boring, but sin is fun. And let me tell you, The Bible even says sin is fun. I can be the first one to be a witness. Sin is fun for a time. And it's usually a lot shorter than you want it to be. Sin is fun for a season. But in the end, it very quickly stops being fun. Take it from me, guys. Big sinner, number one, okay? Big sinner here. It was fun for a a season in my life. But eventually that fun ran out. That's the lie. That God's way is boring. Let me tell you, I've, I've never had more fun in my life than when I started following after Jesus and doing things God's way. God doesn't have evil intent. In fact, God's way of life is fun. He wants one of the, one of the family values that we have at this church is big fun. Because we believe following God should be joyful. It should be a great experience. We should come to church and celebrate, not sit there and act like it's a funeral. God's way is fun. And Psalm chapter 16, verse 11 says this, that you will show me the path of life. Your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, when you follow God's prescription, you're going to... Let me say, guys, when you follow God's prescription, when you can find your passions inside of marriage, you're going you're to experience marital in, intimacy in a way that no man, no drug, no substance could ever create. That's just the way that God made it. There's this, uh, this lie that... God doesn't love you. God is, God is mean, and people are like, if I were God, I'd do it like this. If I were God, I'd tell you that you can do whatever you want, and it's just about you being happy. I just, he just, I just, if I was God, I would just want you happy. You do whatever you want. Guys, the most loving thing that God does for us is call us out of our sin. The most loving thing that God does for us is calling us out of our brokenness. If I if I see you standing on the railroad tracks and the trains coming your way, I would be a terrible person to to leave you there. You're like, J- but I'm happy. <laughs> like, I'm da- I'm dancing here. You're no, I'm I'm I I have a responsibility now to save you from what's coming your way. And listen, if you've ever spent five minutes, at Summit View, you know we're a church of of, of unconditional love. That means that anybody can come in these doors and feel like family. And I hope you don't hear what I'm not saying today. I'm the biggest sinner you got. Okay, and I'm up here preaching. And so it's all right. But God wants to call you out of that. He wants you to eventually change. He wants to change you if you'll let him. Here's lie number four. Line number four is that your life will be better with you leading it your life would be better with you leading it see the the devil advertises sin as beneficial like your life's going to be better if you do it this way if you if you believe that god is bad then you think sin is beneficial you're going to begin to think that your life would be better with you taking the lead and not god taking the lead so this is where we buy into this lie that feelings can be trusted like like, deep down, just trust your feelings. This is, this is a lie. Guys, you can't trust your feelings. I'm going to tell you, you can't trust your feelings. My feelings have gotten me in some real bad spots. Feelings are meant to be indicators, not dictators. They're, they're meant to be led and not do the leading. You can't trust your feelings. If, if all of us followed our feelings in here... Um, there wouldn't be a married person in this room, okay? I'm all, y'all know it's true. There wouldn't, if, if I followed my feelings, I wouldn't be your pastor right now. Wouldn't, wouldn't be. We can't follow our feelings. We don't follow our feelings. We follow our faith. We follow our faith. We follow our convictions. And eventually, your feelings are going to catch up. But your feelings will try to continually lie to you, too. Like, <laughs> hey, you're like, let's be real, you're in the heat of the moment, right? Your feelings are, gonna, are, are the ones leading the way. Like, they're going to lead you. But we have to make the decision beforehand that I'm following my faith, I'm following my convictions. I'm not waiting for the opportunity that my feelings can take the lead. <laughs> when you're mad at your spouse... You are going to want to divorce them. Okay? You're going to want to divorce them. But these are feelings that you probably shouldn't act on. Like like I was talking about earlier. There are some people this past week, I'm not naming names or telling you where, the spirit of slap just came all over me though. You know what I mean? Like, y'all ain't never felt that before. Okay. My ears get red and whatever. But, But let me tell you, if I were to follow my feelings of when they upset me, I let him know what I felt. I, I let them have it. Guys, there would be destructive consequences in our life. We can't follow our feelings. There's a lot of things that you feel that you shouldn't act on. Choices lead, feelings will follow. And this is why we have to have a life that is surrendered to God. We have to have a life that's surrendered to Him because I'm, uh, that means I'm going to follow His way even when I don't feel good. I'm going to follow God's way even when it doesn't feel good to me. We have to have these convictions that are settled. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says it like this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies." See, most every other area of our life, we make hard choices early on so that we can experience the benefits later. Like, you don't go to school and study hard because it's fun. It's not fun. But you won't get in your 30s and 40s and start making that Monet. You know what I mean? Like, you want to start getting that good job. You make sacrifices and hard choices early on because you're gonna reap the benefits later. We're like that in most every area of our lives. You, you spend less in your, twi- well, not all of us, but you spend less in your 20s so that you can save for a life when you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s that you can live um, how nobody else, as Dave Ramsey said, you can live like nobody else today because you saved like nobody else yesterday or something like that, I don't know. Don't quote me, sorry Dave. We're best friends. He's listening to this podcast. I'm sure. I'm just kidding. He's not. But every era of our lives, we make these hard choices early on because we're going to reap the benefits later down the road. But we don't do that with our relationships. We don't do that with our relationships for some, for some reason. Like, listen, Cassie and I made the choice to abstain from sex in our relationship until we were married. And you're like, wait a second, wasn't that like a sacrifice? No. Because I wish that everyone could experience what we have now. Because we waited until the confines of marriage the way that God intended it. We don't have baggage. We don't have any baggage that we have to deal with. (laughs) This is God's way of doing things. See, we, we make the hard choices up front so we can experience the benefit later. Hard choices aren't a sacrifice. They're an investment. Hard choices today aren't a sacrifice. They're an investment into your future. That's lie number four, that your life is better with you leading it. And then finally, the final one, lie number five, says this. It's too late for you. Run and hide. It's too late for you. Run and hide. See, the devil uses sin... To create shame that destroys our future relationships. The devil's going to use your personal sin to create shame in your heart. And your shame is going to wreck your future relationships. Like there's going to be baggage that you have to deal with. That you're bringing into the relationship that you should never have had to deal with. But this is the consequences of our sin. But what it really is, is the consequences of our shame. See, when God has forgiven you, He's forgiven you. Usually we're the ones that are holding on to it. But God is not. The shame destroys our future relationships. And I know this, that some of you are sitting in here today, you're sitting in here this morning, and you're feeling that shame right now. You're saying, I I haven't... I haven't done my life like that. I haven't lived my life like that. And you think that God is disgusted with you. That he's waiting on you to get your act together. Get over here. Get your act together. He's waiting on you, standing there, waiting for you to get your act together so that you can come to him. But remember... That's not what God God did when Adam and Eve sinned and they ran. He didn't sit there and wait for them to get their act together and come back to him. He went chasing after them. See, when when your kids mess up from time to time, if you're a parent and your kids mess up, You don't love them less, right? In fact, the argument could be made that you love them more because you're trying to help them fix it. Like, you don't say, hands off, you did it to yourself. No, as a parent, you want to charge in. You want to do what you can to fix it. You want to help them get back on track. Guys, this is the God that we serve, not the God that says, it's too late. It's too late. The God that we serve says you don't have to run and hide. It's not too late for you. Instead, you need to come on back and look for help. Psalm chapter 34, verse 5 says those who look to Him, to God, for help will be radiant with joy. Listen to this. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. When you mess up, this is how God responds. When you mess up royally, you're like, there's no way he can love me. God looks at you. He embraces you. He still receives you because this is the God that we serve. One of the biggest problems with the church today, I'm very passionate about this. One of the biggest problems with the church today is that we have categorized and stigmatized some people's fallenness as worse than other people's fallenness. We've, we've categorized some people's brokenness as worse than other people's brokenness. And that's not the way that it is. You can't categorize people's fallenness. We're all fallen. We're all broken. Oh, you did that? Oh, you live like, mm, you live like that? I don't know about that. But all the while, we're in this very same position. Guys, we're all on the same ocean. We might just be in different boats. There are not levels of fallenness. There are not levels of brokenness before God. You know, we crave Summit View to be a, a place of authenticity. We're a place where, that says, hey, show me your scrapes, show me your bruises, show me your scars. I got them too. I got them too. You're not alone. See, here's, here's the problem as the church, that when we reject people because of they don't look like me, or they don't live the way that I think sh- they should live, the world will accept them as they are. Where do you think they're going to run? They're saying, hey, come on over. We'll take you. And the church, which is supposed to be God's physical vessel of his grace on the earth, will turn people away out the door because their sin is different than mine. Guys, we need to be a church that when people mess up, they run to and not away. We want you when you mess up. Like, this is the place that you... Have you ever heard a person break their arm and be like, can't go to the hospital now? Broken people need to be in the church. Because I was the most broken. And the church took me like I was. And I'm standing here today because somebody loved me through it. We want to be a church that we push you to run to God and not away from Him when you mess up. Where you run to your friends and not hide from them in shame. Because there's no sin that warrants someone to feel like they don't belong. We are a church and we will be a church where everyone belongs. We will be that church. I've had some hard conversations with people that don't like it. I said, This is who God's called us to be. You do you, boo. We're going to do us. We will be a church where everyone comes in those doors and feels like they belong. We're going to be a church that accepts that person. You know what I mean? And guess what? They won't be treated any differently. It just won't happen, guys. I'm the chief sinner here. I promise you, I fail daily. (laughs) If you want to know about it, just ask Cassie. I fail daily. Don't tell him anything. (laughs) I'm just kidding, (laughs) guys. And I'm the pastor. I ate way too much ice cream last night, y'all, and some donuts. And donuts go nuts. You know that's my that's my life motto. Donuts go nuts. Guys, I sin daily, and yet God doesn't disqualify me. And I get to stand up here, just be a willing vessel. We're all fallen people in need of God's redeeming grace. See, there's going to be, there's three different ways. I've done this long enough to know. There's three different ways that you're going to respond to this message this morning. First one, you're going to be defensive. You're going to say, what do you know? Guys, and I've been doing ministry long enough to say that I know some of you are going to do this today. What do you know? You're going to leave. Some of you might leave. Might never. You might not come back here, but I'm going to say this with as much grace in my heart as I can say, I love you, but you're going to be back. It might not be some of you, but you're going to be back. And when that day comes, I promise you this we'll be right here. We'll be waiting on you. And we'll accept you like you never walked away. You could be remorseful. Second way that you can respond to this. Well, I agree with you. But listen, Pastor Michael, you're about 10 years too late. I've lived this life already, I'm used goods, I'm too far gone and I'm too far in you're never too far the devil says to you that you're too far gone the devil condemns you but the bible says that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus the most famous passage of scripture John chapter 3 verse 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life and then the next one right after it well, I didn't come to condemn the world, but I came to save it. God's not condemning you. Guys, God didn't call you here. To, he didn't bring you here to call you out. God brought you here to set you free. And the power of God's life-giving spirit, that's the power that can set you free this morning. You could respond in either one of those ways remorse defensiveness or you can do what I hope you do today repentance and this isn't that nasty this is actually the most positive word that you find in the Bible that's been ruined by a bunch of people standing outside the bar on the corner yelling into a megaphone repent but this is the most positive word in the Bible and this is all that it means turn around repent just means to turn around and start going another direction and I'm asking some of you to do that today listen neither do I condemn you I don't condemn you let me help you today find a way to life to true life to a life of real fulfillment. Guys, it would be my honor to help you find that today. If you're stuck in your shame, guys, I serve a God that can pull you right on out. Because your life was never meant to be lived like this. But listen, repentance is a moment of pain. Ouch! Like, I gotta make a choice. I gotta make a hard choice now. It's a a moment of pain, but being... Unrepentant is a lifetime of pain. But it isn't a sacrifice. It's an investment. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.